Hello there, lovely listeners. This is David. I'd just like to point out that this episode is marked explicit. It is quite explicit at times, uh, so if uh, you're listening to this with uh, other people around, please take note. Um, we're not going to make this uh, a regular sort of thing. Uh, we will go back to our sort of you know, PG-rated stuff in the future, but for this episode, uh, it is marked explicit, um, and you'll find out why in a couple of seconds after the intro. Enjoy! Bi-weekly a word, or am I just being a kind No, bi-weekly, bi-weekly is a word. Okay, cool. Say fortnightly. Yeah, fortnightly sounds... No, bi-weekly is fine. Bi-monthly. Bi-weekly. Bi-mon. Bi-fi-con. Bisexual. Bi-bon. Is this the only bisexual Bicycle? podcast? <laughs> I highly bisexual doubt it. Bisexual comic-related podcast. There's no bisexuality in this room. At least, at least I, what's up? <laughs> The night is young. (laughs) (laughs) If it's good enough for Bond, it's good enough for us. Probably young considering it's morning. On that note, hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David and with me are the NCP crew, Richo. Your day be apart, Lisa. Luke. I'm I'm drinking my coffee from a uh, mug that's got a big power in it. And I'm drinking it to symbolise my frustration that Columbia will not release the 1960s Adam West Batman series on DVD. Well, that's a very long protest. And Crystal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I worry about these things constantly. It's Batman. It's Adam West Batman. Nerd. It's yeah, Fox. Just... It's actually Fox. It's Fox, is it? And, and they've got an argument between Fox and yeah. Warner Brothers. It'll never happen. Yeah. Mm. They did release the no, film. No, no, no. The, the, the they released the, the film, but the they TV show... It up. It's over. They patched it up. Really? Yeah, it was all to do with uh, the release of Watchmen. So our eagle-eared listeners will have just heard uh, the lovely dulcet tones of, the, of our special guest for this episode. Um, dulcet. Some, some of him, some of you will know him from his podcast, Non Canonical, which focuses uh, uh, on comics. It's an Australian podcast. It's excellent. Check it out. Um, with him and his friends, and of course, we're talking about the awesome Mr. Larry Buxall. Oh, hey, how are you? And it's Buxall. That's fine. I'll everyone gets that wrong. I'm sorry. I don't Hi, care. Larry. Hello. <laughs> well, how is everyone? It's so great to be here. I, I know that um, uh, we've been trying to get this happening for a while, and I'm hopeless at organising anything. And I'm shit ass at emailing, and I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> that must have driven you insane. You must being like, why won't you answer his emails? I don't answer any emails because I'm just that, that wasn't the problem. It was the fact that he said, yeah, I need a lift. But then you didn't give me your pickup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realise that. And you know what the worst thing was? I emailed you going, hey, I need a lift. And then I went and got drunk. And then I got home. I was like, it was just a miracle that I turned the computer on because I couldn't do anything. I was so blotter. And then I managed to put the address on there. I thought, I hope I get there in time. But, yeah. It's happening, though. We're all in the it's, same room. We're, it's, it's The magic is happening. Yeah, I'll throw it And it's not my podcast. If they hear that, they'll, yeah. they'll beat my brains in. Like, they, they will kill me. Okay. It's our podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's part, part of the podcast. The podcast. It's, all, it's also your podcast. When you listen to it, it's yours. Oh, that's mine. That, that's and amazing. It's everyone's. percentage of royalties? Yes, we don't make any money out of it. <laughs> so you can have a hundred percent. It's purely for love. Yeah, hundred percent of nothing. It's great. Uh, as long as I own you. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you own me today. You work for us, dude. Yeah, straight I do. Yes, today it's all nerd culture podcast. <laughs> Now, I've also been told that, like, it's okay that I swear. I'm, I, I do have a filthy mouth. 
That's fine. And I'm so sorry, but I know that you had Paul Bedford on who did the list, <laughs> and I know that he really dragged the show down. <laughs> I remember when you were pitching me this, when you were pitching me coming onto the show, you kept saying, now it's a family show, you can't talk about whacking off or anything like that. And I was like, that's fine, I'll try and rein it in for one week. And like, I know the guys on Non-Canonical hate it when I talk about it, but they secretly love it. Like, I, I really, I know it's like an exercise for me where I'm just going to go, just fucking don't be yourself. That's the best advice I've ever given anyone. Do not be yourself. It's the worst thing. The, the, the great thing is in trying to rein yourself in, yeah. you've lasted about a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Don't try and rein yourself in. Do you often record on a Sunday morning? Yeah, always. Always? always? Yeah. Shit, are you serious? <laughs> Do you guys not get drunk on Saturday night? That's what Saturday night's invented for, getting hammered. Last time we were watching Skyfall. Really? Yeah. I should have been there with you. I'm so sorry. No, I, I, made uh, look, I don't there. think we can ever forgive you, man. No, you can't. Sorry. That's this it. Is, you're fired. It's already over. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's so bad. I've already derailed it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's fine. It's so don't funny. worry. He'll edit, all, he'll edit was... out what he doesn't need. Do you yeah. often have guests? I need, I need to know if you have guests well, on the show. Well, we've had um, Jason Franks, who's a comic Australian. Yeah, comic I know Jason. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just released a new e-book called Bloody Waters. Check it out. Yeah, no, he's cool. He's cool. We've had... Host of Black Panel podcast, Darren Markham. If you were new to the show, uh, it's not usually this crazy, but I'm loving it. Uh, we're a fortnightly Australian podcast that focuses on nerd culture related film, book, and comic reviews with a healthy dose of opinion thrown in for good measure. Not only do we have the podcast, we also have a website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com, which features additional content not found on the podcast itself. Like what? Like Crystal's latest post all about the, the geek girl controversy. Oh, Tony, Tony Harris. Harris. Yeah, Tony oh, Harris. that was amazing. What an yeah, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, know what, you know what the thing about, well, um, about like, that cosplay is? Cosplay chicks, they should be protected and nurtured. Like, yeah. they're amazing. I can't yeah. believe some of the shit I've seen at these conventions. Yeah. The ass is outrageous, David. <laughs> you wouldn't even believe it. But you know when I see a guy walking around dressed as Dr. Octopus, I go, you're a fucking loser. You're a fucking loser. I hate them. I hate them so much. But when I see a chick do it, I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. It's you like know, the best thing ever. Like, you know, why you, do men you, do are, it? you are promoting the stereotype, man. That's what I love to see. You are like... You are like promoting the nerd vision that everybody yeah, else has. I am, I am. I'm it's so nice, proud of you. It's nice to see that in this modern day and age of people wearing them in hypocrisy. There's not just the perf out there, but I mean, it's just, I mean, people are there doing what they like. That, that, that was my, that was my main point. My main point was if you enjoy doing what you're doing, then what's, there's no harm in that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're I mean, who cares if you don't know who, who the character is that you're dressing up as? You like the look of the character. Oh, is that what the thing is? Is that what they're up to? Yeah, basically saying that they're fake and they just go there to be perf and let's face it some of them probably do oh fuck I've completely fed that (laughs) (laughs) hey Tony's (laughs) alright I don't I I just don't like the way he went about it. He just, he just yeah, made yeah, him look yeah. like a bit of a fool. You know, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I understand what he was saying. Yeah. But who cares? Yeah. Crystal did a, an excellent post about it, and of course, you know the the uh, website hits went up. So I'm hey, hey I'm really up. sorry that I just fed the stereotype. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just coming in from the complete angle that at I'm least a total pervert and like <laughs> at, least, at, that, at least that, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the point I was making if you go into these things to do what you enjoy yeah. then there's nothing wrong yes, with and it. if what you enjoy is perving on women in cosplay outfits yeah, then go for but, it but the thing is like I just I, like Tony Harris should have been like no men don't do it and especially if you're like, <laughs> like if you're a fat guy and you're dressed as Batman you're yeah. clearly not embracing Batman's strict physical 
Poe. And, but you want your cake and literally you want to eat the fuck out of it too. That's right. And that's disgusting. Like, if you can dress it as Batman, have the body for it, you know? But the men do do it. They get around in their skimpy outfits. Yeah, yeah there was one, there's one guy that shows up at every convention dressed up as uh, Vega from Street Fighter. I, I've been noticing this dude who's dressed sure. as like a bondage Star Trek person. Yeah, you know, it's really <laughs> much noticing in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like I sort of notice him around the, the place, yeah. you know, dressed as, it's very hard not to see. Yeah, yeah. but the Vega guy is awesome, I and mean, if you got, I mean, you got the body for it, gee, why not? Yeah, definitely, it. definitely. Um, and there's this other, other cool guy that dresses up as Thor. I mean, I always, always post um, pictures at every convention, after every convention, I always have like pay. upskirt shots. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken, I've taken the, mirrors, the mirrors off the You've got the shoe the camera. Shoes. <laughs> 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 he had to retire the mirrors when he got yeah, married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been yeah. arrested. Are you fully registered sex offender? No, or? I am not. <laughs> he's a, despite contrary belief. <laughs> he's a sex offender. With a record. <laughs> I haven't seen you in meetings. That's the only thing. So, I'm so far, I've been accused of being bisexual and a sex offender. With a record. Next it'll be. I really love animals. Let's, so, let's see. Podcast, let's right? see how long it takes before Larry gets invited back to the show. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've got a feeling I'm going to be asked to leave during. This podcast, so I'm really sorry. No, no, you're not leaving. Clearly, this is not a good ad for non-canonical. People are going to be like, "Who the fuck is this? Like, uh, what is this?" You shit? know, you could argue that maybe we're uh, deliberately trying to. <laughs> derail non-canonical so we can steal That's, the fans I don't think it'll take too much to <laughs> do you pronounce your surname that. again Smith yeah, Smith yeah Box Smith Box Smith <laughs> yeah. for this episode we have two popcorn junkies the latest Bond extravaganza Skyfall and a favourite of young Larry Primer thank you and thank you for calling me young well, you are quite young. Because the thing is... Compared to us. Well, no, see, I'm shocked because when I found out how old you are, like, because yeah. you came into my work uh, not so long ago, the DVD place I work at, yeah. and I actually, I, I just flat out said, you know, how old are you? Pretty, like a... Yeah, I don't know what the, the point of the conversation I don't, was. I, I don't know what it is. Were coming on there's very yeah, it was probably hitting There's on very <laughs> little point to anything I say. Right. But, <laughs> but you told me that you're 58 years old, and I was shocked because <laughs> your face is beautiful. You've got such a youthful face, and I thought, well, that's vitamin E cream. Isn't it? You look amazing. Well, I don't really go outside all that much. You don't go outside? It's the radiation from the computer screen. You look beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, no, you really do. It's like yeah, you look right very... Yeah, I know. I'm not trying to pick him up. Like, you look really lovely. You've got a very beautiful... And you've got a great smile as well. Thank you. Oh, God, this is... Where is the love? It's awesome. right here in the room right now. The rest of the ordinary crew can see yourself replaced. <laughs> the audience is wishing this was a video. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what you look like? Um, well, well, the There's episode where pictures. I interviewed Bruce Boxleitner has a picture of me mm. with Bruce Boxleitner. With Bruce, yeah. Um, there's also a picture of me with um, Bob Layton. Oh, Bob Layton. So have you had people stop you in the street and go, how I know you from uh, nerd culture? In the street, no, but in, at conventions I have. At conventions, Because yeah. I'm usually yeah. wearing the t-shirt, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, as a fan. Okay, let's get to it. Coming up next, Skyfall. Okay, so celebrating Bond's 50th anniversary is the release of Skyfall. Uh, the latest in the series, starring Daniel Craig as James Bond, Judy Dench as M, uh, Zav- is it Xavier? Yeah. Xavier Barden as the villain's oh, silver. Xavier. Oh, is it Xavier? Xavier yeah. Barden, yeah. Oh, Javier. I think it's Javier. <laughs> so <laughs> Javier Barden? You go, you go for frenetic, frenetic pronunciations on everything. I don't want to stuff up his name because he might come after <laughs> me. Yeah, you don't Mr. want Mr. Bartom. Javier Bartom. Mr. Bartom. Uh, Ralph Fiennes as Gareth Mallory. Uh, Naomi Harris as Eve. 
And a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> 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 the less important people. That's beautiful. Very David and Margaret. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, okay. now, I know this one's directed by Sam Mendes, right? Now, I haven't seen yes. this yet, which I know is like the height of unprofessionalism. And I said I was going to see it, but I just ran out of time. <laughs> Uh, but like, I, yeah. Now I know, like, uh, I'm about to say a statement that has been said a thousand million other times, which is, I loved Casino Royale, but I fucking hated Quantum of Solace. Yeah. That's so right. how is this? This is is good. <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to that. <laughs> that's it. So You're they gonna, me off. Are they going to use that on the DVD slick? <laughs> this good. is good, David. No that was my tweet. It's <laughs> terrific. <laughs> it's, it's terrific. Actually, it's my tweet really last night. It was skyrific. Oh, oh Jesus God, you suck! Honestly, did you lose like fifty followers there? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> no, that you put down to drunken Saturday yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was skytastic. Skytastic. <laughs> anyway, uh, according to IMDb, the plot is Bond's loyalty to M is tested as her past comes back to haunt her. As MI6 comes under attack, 007 must track down and destroy the threat, no matter how personal the cost. That's a pretty uh, lame plot, to be honest with you. Actually, that sounds. Probably better than the plot that the film actually has. Yes, why don't we get that plot instead? That is the plot. That is the plot. You're not going to go on an anti plot rant again, are you? Oh, wait. I, no, hang, hang on a second. What, what's the anti plot thing? Okay, oh, Luke, Luke hates every film and what? everything. Luke, Luke's the world's harshest critic. That's why we have him on the show, because he's awesome for that. <laughs> the harshest critic. Yeah. Have you seen License to Kill? I yes. have. It's often been regarded as the best of the James Bond films. What? It, 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 <laughs> Hang on a second. People, like, people on crack. You know what? Like, like this personal vendetta thing, Like, I, whenever I hear that sort of shit being spoken about in a Bond film, I always think of License to Kill because that's Bond versus drug dealers. Yeah. Well, what, about, what about Diamonds Are Forever? Oh, yeah. Oh, which yeah. is set after um, on Emergency Secret that's Service, right. which is also routinely touted as being one of the best Bond films yes. ever, in spite of the fact that it's got one of the worst Bonds in it. Yeah, that's true. Is yeah. that a Roger Moore, is no, it? No, it's George Lazenby. George oh, okay. Lazenby. Yeah, he's awful. No, you know what? Cool. I reckon he was thrown under a bus a little bit. Yeah, I really do because you know that opening scene. Like the movie's great. Yeah, but the opening scene where he mugs the camera and he goes, "Did this ever happen to the other guy?" Or whatever. Yeah, this ever happened. It's like, honestly, he should have seen it coming. They yeah. threw him under a bus. You know, like why would they do it? Yeah, to but him? he was a terrible actor anyway. I was about to say yeah, some acting great. lessons might have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, 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 Australia's own George yeah. Lazenby. The, the film's great. They've been on the beach. It's magnificent. Yeah, but Diana Rigg. Australia's own Diana Rigg's awesome. And gorgeous. Yeah, love Diana Rigg. It's all good. Is Diana Rigg still hot? I don't like. I'm talking, you know, like in the level of you know, like obviously she's older, but like there's hot old ladies. Right. Is she hot? I don't, She's I don't on the Judy Dench level. That's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah Judy Dench is alright. Maybe, <laughs> maybe even a, a Helen Mirren level. Yeah. Oh, Helen Mirren! If you want to go there, shit. <laughs> so you want to talk about Helen Mirren? No, the sixties older lady is Isabella Rajani. Who's that? Oh, Isabella Rajani. Yeah, she's like sixty. She's, uh, she's she's stunning. <laughs> she's 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 yeah. She's in her late fifties or something. She looks like she's about. 30? Yeah, like she's, ne- she's just one of those people who has never gotten older. Amazing. What are we talking about? Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> anyway, back to, back to Skyfall. So it's directed by Sam Mendes, um, who is better known for American Beauty and Road of Edition. Um, it was an odd choice, uh, thought by many. It's, it's very sort of how could he sort of take on Bond, essentially, as this blockbuster. Um, but uh, I think he's answered his critics. Uh, when I heard it was him directing... 
and what he'd done before, I felt a bit better about going to see a Bond film. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's, I had the same thing. Sam Mendes directing, cool. We might actually get a story this time. <laughs> well, what what you do get is some absolutely brilliant directing. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the way that this is filmed is unlike any other Bond film I've ever seen before. I mean, a lot of the time, the, the Bond directing is often very by the numbers. You know, yes, there's exciting action sequences and things like that, but um, uh, Mendes has actually been really creative with the way that he frames shots, and especially the way he lights shots. Mm. There's a fantastic sequence in Shanghai, um, which is basically in a skyscraper, Bond is fighting an assassin. No, that was very pretty. Yeah, and the whole thing is lit purely by... Jellyfish. By the, the, the Basically, <laughs> yeah, by, by, there's a big screen on the building... Yeah, the building opposite. next to them, yeah. and every the whole scene is lit by what's happening on that screen. At one point, even, all, even the fight is silhouetted, but it's just yeah. beautifully shot. At one point, um, even the assassin stops and, and looks at the jellyfish. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the opening the the opening shot that introduces Bond, yeah. where he's sort of he's blurred and he's coming down the corridor, and then you see the eyes lit up, and it's like, oh yeah, that's clearly Daniel Craig. Mind you can tell because Daniel Craig but, but walks in a really weird way yeah. anyway. But... You can tell by the ears for sure. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's got beautiful bit, eyes, but those yeah. ears, it's like, seriously, dude, what's going on? <laughs> the, the entire closing <laughs> sequence in the ancestral home, it's just, once again, it's beautifully shot. The, the ancestral home? What the fuck is that? <laughs> ancestral Oh, ancestral, ancestral home. Your mind you... just went there. Yeah, just, <laughs> you had to go there. You said ancestral. That's strange. Um, never heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that certainly from that perspective, this is the best directed Bond film I've ever seen. It is just so beautifully looking and so creative in the way that he has constructed shots and, and scenes. It's it's amazing visual feast. You could pick any still frame from the movie and it would make a nice poster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about a mouse pad? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't, actually, you wouldn't get the grandeur of a mouse pad. A mouse pad actually. <laughs> I'd like a, you know, one for target practice of Daniel Craig's head. <laughs> you don't like Daniel Craig? No. Oh, he is the world's harshest critic. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't tell me about this until two minutes ago. <laughs> Do your research, boy. It's sorry. It's terrible. We've, we've introduced almost every show with the world's harshest critic, Luke Walker. So. All right, now I have to say something because I haven't seen the film. I just want to know one thing. All right, and this is for all the listeners out there. How does it end? <laughs> Bond is triumphant with the credits. Amazing and credits. Oh, I never saw that coming. I, I disagree with that. You think he's not triumphant? He no. does. He's completely fails. Is there in zombies in everything this movie? that he's? Yeah, but he's still alive. Bond versus zombies. <laughs> being, be, being alive is doesn't mean you've triumphed. I mean, the entire purpose of the film job. is to prevent one thing from happening, and he fails miserably <laughs> to achieve that. Oh, wow. Bond actually. Whoa! Does should not... we call spoiler alert on that? Um, uh, nah. Nah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of telegraphed what's going to happen anyway. So. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Bond didn't screw anyone, and that's one of the reasons I thought that. It, the movie was shit, and that and the same. It's nice to know that you're qualifying how, how good a Bond film is by the amount of sex that, that Bond he has. has. And in and in Living Daylights, which was the first Timothy Dalton one, he didn't screw anyone in that. Yes, he and did. that was pretty. No, he only kissed that girl at the end, didn't he? I don't remember him screwing anyone. No, there is the definite suggestion that they are having sex. Ah, oh, no, but yeah, they're fully clothed. It's implied. Yeah, like no, Bond's okay. a naked guy. Okay, yeah. Bond. Bond in this film, Bond walks onto a yacht. Where a woman is having a shower, yeah. who he's only just met, strips down, climbs into the shower. Amazing. Window. So that Amazing. that part of the sex scene at the beach really earlier on, when that nameless girl. 
Yeah, true. True. They should totally do like a really like get like an independent film director and do like a real lo-fi Bond film where it's just him getting tested. <laughs> like, and like uh, and like he's got like every disease there is. <laughs> like that'd be an awesome Bond movie. Like you don't even show the action. You just have him getting tested every every six minutes because he's screwing everything. So in other words, um, Casino Royale by Seth Green. By Seth Green. Is that yeah, that'd be amazing. Robot Chicken does yeah. the Bond trilogy. Does the Bond franchise. That's alright, we can get back on track. Skyfall. Skyfall. Go. Okay. Yes, so, okay, he's not triumphant at the end, I apologise. He's not? He's, uh, well, he's still alive, but yeah, he he does fail in everything he does. But he fails in a cool way. (laughs) I like to think I do He looks good, he looks good. Yeah. That brings us into uh, how how Bond actually gets up to that point, which is in the most meandering, uh, inaccessible way quite possible. The thing that happened with, with Casino Royale, is that it's trying to be two things. It's trying to be the over-the-top action Bond at the start, and it's trying to be the low-key Ian Fleming Bond at the end. And this film, I think, actually suffers from that as well. It's trying to it's trying to be old-school Bond. Yeah, it's trying it's trying to be sort of Sean Connery, but then also with a bit of Roger Moore thrown with in. With a bit of It's trying to be both, um, and Bond, you can't have it both ways. Mm. You've either got to accept the silliness of it and... Um, and run with it, mm. or you've got to go, or you've got to accept that this is, you know, uh, modern. He is more, he is more dark and more gritty. You can't have all these. Well, I took it as it was being a bit more modern, yeah. with a nod to the silliness, like when Q, uh, Q says, "What were you expecting?" An exploding pen. Mm. Yeah, I, t- I totally disagree, man. I gotta say, I mean, I, I, the meandering thing. Yeah, I agree. There were sequences that you just like this can be trimmed. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love the fact that it was a modern setting with some nods to the old school. I mean, I'm not talking about the the brilliant. Aston Martin mm. sequence, but it's, I mean, it's, but I just you know just sly sort of sly comedy. Given that um, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace have really tried to establish Bond, that more the serious aspect of Bond, yeah, it, this feels a bit uneven in comparison. If you're set, and that's a lot, another problem, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's been set up in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace that actually doesn't get that doesn't get followed through, like the Quantum Group. True, um, and yeah, like but that. there's actually no payoff mm. to yeah. the story that's been building for two movies. And but that yeah. that's sort of a separate argument in and of itself, in terms of the wider thing. In terms of this film specifically, um, my big problem is what the hell is the story? You know, is it tracking down the list? Is it um, trying to find so It's it's it does a, a, quite a lot of things, but it forgets a lot of it along the way as well. Okay, that's true. Um, for instance, the um, the list which he you know almost gets killed for at the start. Um, gets quickly forgotten, yeah, so we can go into this um, uh, ad hoc, haphazard uh, revenge story yeah. um, set up by uh, by by Mister Silver, and that sort of seems to dominate. And it lacks um, it lacks it. They're, they're trying to go for more gravitas and emotional weight, but it lacks it in the end yeah. because all they're doing is just shooting at each other. Yeah. And my biggest problem in that regard was that this is a very small story. Mm. Yep. Like usually, usually in a Bond film, the stakes are enormous. It's like you know the 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 fate of the free world is is you know in the hands of Bond. And here, it's basically really just a very simple, but probably unnecessarily complex um, revenge story. Yeah. Um, that Bond's trying to thwart, and it's but but at the start they set up that list, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, so he's going to completely destroy MI6 and there's the sort of more weighty thing that Bond's got to deal with but then that doesn't really yeah. happen it's just like then suddenly we just move away from that story into oh no it's all just a revenge story so it's, it's a very small story for yeah. 
apart from now, granted, it's not drug dealers, as no, Larry yeah, was talking yeah, yeah. about earlier. But that's license to kill. That's pretty. Yeah, bad. but is still. this film a? Because um, I know with uh, one of the unusual things about Quantum of Solace is that it's like I've seen all the Bond films, and I can actually say like it's the only direct sequel. Yeah, to a previous yeah. Bond film. Yeah. Is this like continuing that no, as well? No, not at no? all. There's all, been some time pass between Quantum of Solace. It basically ignores it. There is a bit no, of a subplot yeah. as, as how relevant is MI6 still. Yeah, well, and I would have liked a bit more about that because yeah. uh, they, they posed that as a that question. That was they, quite they interesting. Posed, yeah. They posed, yeah. they posed, you know, how effective is Bond in this world? In this world of uh, in this world of computers and yeah. um, cybernetic yeah. networks and uh, and the like, how effective is a guy who just wanders around with a gun? It poses that as a question. Judy Dench actually says it, yeah. yeah, at one point, but it never actually answers it. You don't yeah. see definitively why Bond is necessary. The, the the critics and everyone will say, oh, you know, we see him be clever at the end. We don't see him be clever at the start. Yeah. Um, I think the scene where she's speaking to the minister on, in the... Well, it's not a trial, is it? It's, it's, a, he, it's, it's a, a hearing. Public hearing. Public yeah. hearing I yeah. think the scene there was meant to be an, a bit of an answer. Yeah. Mm. But, it, but... Forcefully. It, it's, that, then, <laughs> but that's you're, just you're telling told, me... Yeah, yeah, you're being told. And I don't want to be told that Bond's a hero and he's necessary. I want to see Bond's a hero and he's, and he's necessary. Um, talk, talk about the public hearing. I love you when you mentioned before about the complexity of it. <laughs> Zilpha's plan to confront to basically get M into a public area so that he can confront her mm. is ridiculously yes. complex yes. I mean Bond has yeah, proven twice now that he can get into M's residence find yeah. out where it is supposedly secret mm. and get in there and talk to her well, my, my, my why doesn't Silver just do that my thing with that is it's shown in the Shanghai sequence earlier on yeah. Silver has snipers working for him yeah why not just shoot her when she's coming out of it by six? No, 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 he wants it personal. He specifically says he wants it personal. Well, then why right? doesn't he shoot her? Right. Why don't he just show up at her house and blow say, her hey, away. this is what you did to me. Because he take wants us, to... What is that, that thing from the because end? I don't it... want to spoil it. But it's like, and then just take her out. He wants to be seen doing it. That's the, the thing. But he doesn't know, because then he gets to the end, the end yeah, where but there's that, nobody there. That's, that's, that wasn't, that's beyond his control. That was after yeah, his possibly. plan. But he thinks how beautiful it is. It's like, this is what it should be. Well, because he's a crazy man. <laughs> he's a crazy man. <laughs> awesome Why am I defending the villain? Yes. <laughs> that's, another, that's, that, that's another thing. It's sort of just, oh, we'll just make him like Heath Ledger the Joker. He's just crazy. And that's... Yeah. I did that when he was smiling. I was like, he would be Heath. He's a cool Joker. In some of the shots, particularly at the end, where he's got the, um, the long coat, the crazy hair, and he's sort of yeah. going like... Yeah, a bit Doc Brown. He looks a bit, um, a little bit Doc Brown, a little bit. Why so serious? Um, (laughs) That Bud M guy, though, like, if you notice, there's a, there's a, a a bit of a theme going with his hair and being a bad guy. Yeah, true. In in No Country Old Man, his hair was terrifying, (laughs) and he was like the the most amazing bad guy in cinema. And like this, I've only seen the trailer. His hair is ridiculous again. Yeah, it looks like he's wearing John Farnham's old hair. Blonde this orangey hey, hair colour thing that... Yeah. Crystal, now that you bring it up, <laughs> when the fuck is John Farnham going to get a call to be a villain in a Bond film? <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about long overdue, right? Let's talk get about on the long phone overdue. to him now. Let's yeah. suggest it. Yeah. Um, the other big problem I have with the plot is really whose story is this? One of the things that I did, did kind of enjoy was the team. You know, Q, I liked Eve, I liked Mallory. Um, but they came at the expense of Bond doing stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so there's long, there long parts there where you're seeing the team do some interesting stuff, and they're actually quite fun to watch. But your main character is sort of left there in the background, not actually driving the action. I know what Richard's going to say, which is it's the exact opposite of Casino Royale. Yes, which, yeah. is, which, and I, I do actually. Not, whilst I'm not, the a, can read each other's minds. Whilst I'm not a big <laughs> Casino Royale fan at all, I do actually agree that Casino Royale is driven by Bond's actions. 
Oh, no, no, no Casino Royale. No, I, I, you know what? I've got to know what movies you like. Goldeneye. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> Goldeneye is brilliant. Mm. No. Like, Goldeneye no. is is. I haven't seen almost the almost the perfect Bond film. Well, the only yeah. scene I remember it's... is where the guy keeps clicking the pen and we're waiting for it to yeah. explode the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little, there's a little bit of um, old school silliness in it towards the end with yeah. the, you know the big base and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Which is awesome. But other than that, yeah, Goldeneye is, is excellent. And actually, Goldeneye just bringing well, us back to Skyfall. Goldeneye, I think, does something really well that Skyfall doesn't. The the relationship between Bond and Trevelyan, uh, oh Trevelyan, Trevelyan, um, where they are basically they're both agents, so they're kind of two sides of the same coin, and nice. something's happened to Trevelyan that has sort of tipped him over the edge. But what they do beautifully in Goldeneye is, is make the comparisons and the contrast between those two characters to say, you know, like really Bond is only one bad event away from tipping over the edge as well. Yeah. Here we had a similar setup where you have. Uh, Silver, who has you know acknowledged quite early on that he's a, a former agent, you know, yeah. so I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. And then you find out later that he was a brilliant agent. Yeah. yeah, but you don't get that that sort of comparing and contrasting yeah. and, and and pointing out the similarities and the differences and, and actually using Silver to highlight these sort of darker elements of Bond. You totally don't really agree. get that in this. Yeah, so Goldeneye does it fantastically, and this film kind of misses, the, I think, misses that opportunity. Yeah. Goldeneye has it a bit easier in that respect because Goldeneye sets them being friends so there's an emotional yeah. connection established between them yeah. whereas this one doesn't so mm. it's got to work a little bit harder to establish a connection and I do agree it doesn't it doesn't quite get there yeah. um, mm. what I found with this one is I, is that I didn't think of Goldeneye so much I thought more of, di- of um, The World Is Not Enough and thought that in many ways this is a remake because they both start <laughs> off with Tame's House being exploded they both have plots centred around Judy Dench Judy Dench's <laughs> um, um, making a mistake in the past or or choosing a course so of action that, that comes back to haunt her that results that. in either her getting kidnapped or Bond needing to go and protect her yeah. at some point I just went wow on, I've actually seen this film before <laughs> that's amazing I didn't think that at the time but you're totally spot on there is one thing though oh, that, that leads me to as far as <laughs> acting goes Judy Dench is an awesome awesome, awesome actress mm. oh, the yeah. fact that she can play M in a series of movies and in two completely different ways like the end that you get in you know through golden eye to die another day is actually really completely different yeah. to the end she's been playing since casino royale but she's such a great actress she can play the same character but adjust the way she plays that character to suit the tone of the movies i think that's just brilliant she that's is brilliant. amazing she, 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 and she is fantastic in this. in this film yeah i don't think all the actors in this film are excellent i mean it's, uh, except maybe the new q is a bit of a Bit of a well, there was one you didn't like. Oh, forgot her name. Yes, yeah, cannot act. That was the worst bit of I'm scared acting I've ever seen. It just looked like she was just cold. <laughs> well, she was, was terrible. A, she, I think, is a wasted character mm. in this film. She was pointless. She but, gets um, set up. She gets set up in a way that's actually very different to most Bond women. Yeah, you know the idea that she's actually terrified that she's a former sex slave that she used. Um, Silver to actually get out of that, and now she's in a situation that is clearly just as as dangerous. I'm like, wow, this is actually really quite an interesting yeah. take on a Bond woman. And then they just don't it utilize it. Goes nowhere. They just do not <laughs> utilize it at all. Point point in this. But I think it's, think, I think it's because Sam Mendes realized he was he was mistaken casting her. It's like who's going <laughs> to no, <laughs> just, just kill her off and be done with it? No, it, it was a plot like, device. Yeah, it sounds more. Like, well, it sounds more like a rope dope. You know, mm. I will yeah. string you along. This is going to be the Bond girl, and then when mm. you know this, um, the scene happens, oh no, we. have we're surprising you. We're surprised. It's a, good, yeah. it, it's a good scene for um, Javier Bardem. Yeah. Uh, that that sequence on on the island. Mr. But... Bardem, thank you. Sorry, yeah. Mr. Bardem. 
but it does it, it, it it's, it's just I, I feel like they wasted a character there mm. yeah. um so speaking yeah. about bond girls uh, i think naomi harris does an excellent job she's excellent mm. in the 28 days later yeah. she, she so. certainly makes the, the absolute most. most of what she's given to work yeah. with and the no reveal at the it. end is brilliant I mean, I saw it coming, but it's still awesome. I don't know. The reveal at the end I found was a bit annoying. No, it was, it was a little awesome. bit, little bit of pandering. It's like, oh, it's fifty years. Look at this. And yeah, you know, once again, it's that trying to get the old so bond. It does set it, it up for the next one. Heart. I opened this entire review talking about how brilliant this is. That's true. What am I talking about? I want to say that to you, but anyway, and 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 Mr. Barton, of course, brilliant as always. He has um a couple of. Um, just fantastic monologues. Yeah. The, the the first time you meet him, he tells this rat story that is just it, it's a it's a brilliant monologue. He delivers mm. it fantastically, and it's like it, it's like everything you need to know about the psychology of the character yeah. is revealed in that opening monologue. And and or or straight away you're kind of like, okay, I'm now into this character. I'm now interested about this character. I'm a and fan just, of that. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, the the bad guy monologue. Yeah. Like, you know, where they, like uh, the and the crazier the better. Yeah, absolutely. But like, do they have you know like one of my favorite things in Bond films is where like you know the bad guy knows it's James Bond, knows he's a spy, knows he's there to stop shit. Yet they have dinner together. <laughs> like, do they have? Uh, do, they, do they do the, the, the golf? The golf scene in uh, yeah. Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the perfect example. My favourite octopusy. Like I love to see that having a dinner and like yeah. just fucking kill him. Like, <laughs> what are you dreaming about? Uh, it's, 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 it's like you want to fail. They have a scene. They like Bond's track record's great. Almost more than dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. Is that so that leads that leads uh, that leads to I mean the the monologue and and what Chris just said yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely fascinating scene in this film it is I mean I'm just I'm, I'm going to call spoiler alert I think it actually has been advertised before but I'll call spoiler alert here as as Larry pointed out <laughs> quite well earlier that Bond is a ladies man um, and, uh, <laughs> and did it much better than I did unashamedly <laughs> and uh, but there is a sequence where where Silver um, comes on to Bond in a in a in during the interrogation it's um it's very very well done it's not it's not uh, gratuitous it's not silly it's it's actually quite serious and but creepy. With, a, with and creepy but with a playful nature to it um and of course you get the payoff uh, so basically uh, uh silver is is basically talking about you know how beautiful <laughs> but bond is and and uh, and the things he'll do for you know for queen and country and <laughs> and bond then replies with what makes you think this is the first time it, may, it just blew me away. I just, I, just, I, just, I was so amazed. It, I mean, it's, it's, my first thought was, why has this been not said before? Because I think it's painfully obvious that he Bond would do that. <laughs> it's just, I have no doubt. You mean have mind. sex with a man? No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think you might. If, right. if, if it would accomplish the mission, yeah. but it goes so against yeah, the image of Bond. I mean, I could never see Sean Connery in that scene. It just wouldn't work. Roger Moore, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I'll tell you this though, Daniel Craig. I think he'd be so you know comfortable with sexuality, it wouldn't be any yeah, problem. That's right. Yeah. Well, he's married to Rachel Vice, so yeah. Dragon's sure prison rules with uh, Daniel Craig. <laughs> it's got to be no. That's how it works with Craig. <laughs> that's how it works. It's prison rules. <laughs> so you're gonna have to give me a second. <laughs> I, I find that the way people are reacting to that scene is kind of interesting because people are going for the most obvious thing which is you know Javier Bardem is bisexual yeah. and Bond is saying that he's bisexual yeah. but which he's really, not at really I, I, I like the ambiguity of this because yeah. it could just be Javier Bardem messing with his head yeah. and Bond's comment the yeah. you know what makes you think this is the first time is a way to you know um, 
derail that to, you know because yeah. clearly it's a power move on Javier Bardem's part That's as well he's trying to it. he's trying to um, make Bond uncomfortable and Bond's response gives Bond control of the scene again yeah, so right. I kind of that's how I read it I, yeah. I, I, I didn't make that leap that apparently everybody's <laughs> making into oh my god Bond is gay no no, no, I, actually, I, don't, <laughs> no, no I don't think Bond is gay at all I, I, I just, I just I read, think he'll do whatever needs to be done yeah. to get the job done but I also read that as a, a little nod to Casino Royale which is also mm. tied to a chair naked yeah. and being tortured Having oh. bollocks swapped. Oh, my plums! I've <laughs> <laughs> got an itch. Yeah, that's, that, that's also, yeah, that, it's a, you know, getting getting the job done, but also doing what Richo said, which is throwing it, throwing yeah. in the psychological. Uh, yeah, yeah, try, trying to re- regain control. The audience the that in the cinema we were in certainly thought it was a good scene. They laughed at every single joke. They laughed at some small. stuff that I wasn't I thought... sure what they were laughing at. Uh, let's go for final comments and ratings. There's a sec, there's a a series of scenes in this film that are absolutely brilliant. Everything involving Shanghai and the trip to Macau and then onto the island, I think is the real standout sequences in this film. But I think the film is a bit uneven. It loses its way at times and it's not quite sure what story it's trying to tell. But having said that, I still, I was still relatively entertained by it. So I'm going to give this three looks. It's like a Fabergé egg. Pretty to look at. I could admire the skill and the craft involved, but really, nothing much more to it than that. Um, <laughs> one and a half looks. Three out. Harshest critic in the world. Harsh. You really are the harshest critic. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm by no means a Bond fan, as you'll discover in our Bond episode. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say at all. <laughs> but, Which is um, our next episode. Out of all the Bond films I've seen, and, and if I piece them all together, maybe I've seen three. <laughs> <laughs> This is probably the best one I've seen. Uh, there's a lot of sequences in it where I was bored. My usual complaint, the action suite sequences go on for too long. Um, I did quite enjoy the opening sequences. I always do. I like all the Bond opening sequences, and I've probably seen all the Bond opening sequences. Uh, and it's one of the better opening sequences, but not the best song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I have to say my favourite sequence is probably the one we were speaking about earlier with the uh, jellyfish the, yeah, lighting, the, the lighting was really good and I really enjoyed the Komodo dragon sequence which reminded me of Return of the Jedi <laughs> <laughs> the wrinkle pit yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I give this one three and a half looks cool yeah. um, well I, I really enjoyed it uh, it's, it's not my favourite Bond film which is obviously Golden Knight but mm. uh, it's, it was very enjoyable uh, and I agree with almost everything everybody else said it's, it is quite meandering um, but I was cool with that because it was. I mean, the sequences that were awesome were so awesome that they sort of made up for the bits that weren't quite so awesome. Um, my favourite scene, of course, was the um, the homosexual interrogation. Um, but uh, also, absolutely loved the uh, Aston Martin appearance. Uh, if, if I was giving, um, a I don't point... want to spoil it because because it, it's just it's brilliant. So yes, I'm actually going to give it um, four looks. Actually, I quite enjoyed it. Okay, so that's it for Skyfall. Go check it out. Uh, and next episode, we had so much fun uh, reviewing Skyfall that uh, next episode we're actually going to have an entire episode devoted to all things Bond. Yay. With, with a with special guest, George Lazenby. <laughs> that would be awesome, although I just did bagging. <laughs> I don't think he'd be too impressed. Coming up next, Primer. Okay, so we chose to, to review Primer because it's one of Larry's 
favourite film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, uh, feel yeah. free to punch Luke in the face. <laughs> when he, uh, when I could never do that. Like <laughs> no. you, Luke's a very attractive young man. <laughs> yeah. He's very cute, and I love the fact that he's the world's harshest critic. Like, and he's living up to that. That's good. <laughs> it's uh, very good. So be prepared. <laughs> Primary is a 2004 science fiction film about time travel. Uh, it stars Shane Carruth, David Sullivan, Casey Gooden, and and. I'm not going to pronounce guy's last name. Which one? Apid, Apid Hayaya. We, we murder everyone's Hayaya. name on our podcast. Yeah. So. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. The guy that played Philip. Luke's our resident <laughs> pronunciation expert, usually. And uh, a bunch of other people. And yeah. Shane, a whole group of people you've never heard of. Yeah, yes. and, you know, Shane Carruth also wrote and directed the film as well. And produced. He did, in fact, yes. yeah. Produce, wrote and directed. It's a one-man show. Yeah, reportedly for seven grand as well. Yeah, that's yeah. That's one of the things that I wanted to point out. It's just that this film uh, definitely doesn't look like it only cost seven grand. No, I mean, true. it's very impressive yeah. in terms of visuals for the money that they spent. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the plot is uh, four friends uh, in their sort of their sort of uh, entrepreneur want to want to be entrepreneurs and scientists. They're trying to be innovative and uh, and make money at the same time. And one of them uh, creates a device that I think is meant to be like an energy source, but it turns out to actually be a time machine. And uh, then the, the shenanigans that occur after that. It's actually interesting how you describe that because it's very true. And mm. and one of the things that that I loved about the film because there's lots of writers who uh, who will tell you that everything is exposition, mm. you know, and that there's no such thing as anything that isn't. And I'm I'm really interested in that. When I remember, I can't remember where I read that, but I know that whenever when I read that, I started to think more about it. I was like, wow, that's a really interesting concept. One of the things this film does is it gets rid of exposition to such a point where you're practically the fifth member of the cast, and that you're seeing this with them, and it's important. And like, and even when you describe that, like you're saying, we don't like they might be creating something that's an energy source where you don't really know. Yeah. Like, you, and like there are times like I had to watch this film three times. I still don't get all of it yeah. because the exposition's being stripped so back that you really, really have to catch up the entire time. The film expects you to be as intelligent as the film it is. Yeah. And, you know, something as crazy as a concept as time travel. Yeah. But, yeah, that's one of the things I love about the film. The fact is that, yeah, the exposition just doesn't exist to a point where it might also be something that hinders it. And might make that might make some of the audience hate it. Yeah. You know, because they don't tell you what's happening. You know? Please, Luke. I don't can see you. <laughs> uh, you can see you're squirming in your Luke's seat. Luke's head's about to explode. disagree. <laughs> I think the first, certainly the first, and I, I, I will confess, um, I saw this originally when it first came out. Yep. Um, yep. But I haven't actually seen it recently. Did you see it at the cinema? Or was I saw it at the cinema. Oh, it, wow. That's great. Yeah, it got done, it, here, it, it first got its first screening as part of the 2003, 2004 Melbourne National Film Festival. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. it was, it, 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 because it did reasonably well there, it got a, a limit, very limited. Um, like independent cinema run? Yeah. yeah we, we, we saw, we saw it at Cinema Nova. Yeah, we saw it at yeah. the Nova, um, yeah. which, is our, which is Melbourne's one of Melbourne's art house cinemas. Yep. Um, and I can't, and the, some of the first act, I thought there was nothing but exposition. I was being oh, really? told repeatedly that they were doing stuff, but I wasn't being allowed to say, it. yes, there are budgetary concerns, yep. but you replace those budgetary concerns by introducing character. Yeah. Okay. And there is no character. It was just basically two guys <laughs> talking about how they're going to invent a time machine. And one of them comes up with a solution. And then it attempts to give us a lot of techno bubble to explain how he comes to said solution. Yeah. 
And then it's like a cheap vo- episode of Voyager. And then, <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh, and then, man. But then there is no actual. Well, what does this mean? Type of explanation. Yeah. I felt there was actually nothing but exposition. Really, there was nothing that was allowing me to come C- into. Certainly the, in the in I think in the early stages. Of yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. In the early stages, I felt I was just being told we can do this, we, t- we can do that, we can do this, we can fix that, we can fix this, we can fix this. Oh, I've got this solution, this solution, this. Yeah. But and then being told about it. But I wanted to see them actually make the machine. Do they do? No, but we don't actually <laughs> see it. <laughs> but I think that's really like obviously it's a it's a character piece. Like in the end, like but I don't think about, there was much character. But it's about stage. how it affects their lives and what they do. But and, that comes up that comes afterwards, and I would have liked a little bit more about them as characters in that in that first right. act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time you get to the point where it affects their lives mm. detrimentally, yeah. you don't care because yeah. there's no character at the start. Mm. You don't get to know them at the mm. start. Yeah, I never got that. I was like, I was just totally sucked into it from the st- you know, right from the start. I want to go in the middle of a road here. I take Larry's point about uh, being the fifth member of the team or crew, cast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I knew there was a right one in there somewhere. But I felt like I was sort of on the peripheral and I was only sort of catching bits of conversation. I wasn't, didn't feel included. So I found it frustrating not fully understanding what they were talking about and what was going on. Yeah, I so I can see why you would have that. had to watch it three or four times. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's and almost voyeuristic in that regard. I do wish there was a little bit more character work because when you get to that part where it starts to get really interesting about the party and the shotgun yeah, right, right. i wanted to care more about the people and i wanted to see that hap- the first time that happened so you'd care a bit more about whether they got it right in the end or not yeah right yeah right. that's an excellent point i wanted to see it fail yep and then the efforts that you went to to make it work yeah yeah, yeah. i just thought it was very realistic in terms of if, if you could create a machine like that you yeah. would only ever use they're, it for evil they're plans yeah. for, <laughs> you know, like, like there's no such thing as like I, I and like i believe everyone in this room is good-hearted yeah but I know for a fact I would go back in time and I'd use it to either get laid or get money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they, they, they yeah exactly. Get money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I, I do like that realistic attitude. It's just like the, 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 the most amazing scientific discovery of all time, except yeah. maybe fire. And they've, you know, they're using it to make money, which you know makes perfect sense. Yeah. I also really love their idea of not the, the extreme lengths they go to to not bump into each other. Yeah, like they're also like there's the scene yeah. where they're in the park and he's like, "Look, just watch." Yeah, and, and then they you know, see him, see him there, and yeah, I was like, yeah. "That's Brent." Yeah, uh, but then it all falls down <laughs> to when, mm. when they when they get to the party sequence. I mean, yeah. the part the shotgun party for is is built up to be some sort of major event, right? Which with no payoff. I mean, at the end, you actually didn't get you don't get to see whether he's successful or not in yeah, the end. Yeah. So you get this event that you don't know whether what actually happened to begin with. Yeah. And then you get that same event played again where you still don't know what happened, but it seems to be so important. <laughs> it's, it's mentioned multiple times. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. There's also this, the, that sort of almost montage sequence towards the end where you're finding out that he's actually going back and drugging himself and mm, locking yes. himself in the attic. And, yeah. and that's really... I was actually really fascinated by that. Awesome. And mm. it's like, well, that's kind of interesting, but I actually would have liked to have seen sort of that expanded upon a bit as well. Right. I, I do give this film an inc- amazing level of credit for the ambition of yeah. the film. Like, he's he's created this incredibly complex ideas yeah. um, and put them into this incredibly low-budget movie. Yeah. Um, and those ideas are absolutely fascinating. I love the, the time paradox thing. I love the way yeah. he's playing with time. I, I think the execution of those ideas leaves a little to be desired and that could partially be because of the budget 
Um, you know, there's only so much you can do when you're working with seven thousand dollars or yeah. nine thousand dollars was another figure that I'd heard as well. So, yeah. but but the the ideas behind it, I think, are actually really fascinating. And I agree. I think one of the strengths of this is the ideas. I love the central idea behind it. You know, two guys invent a time machine in their backyard. It's a it's a great little fanboy thing. It was certainly better than hot tub time machine. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not go- I, I haven't did, I haven't lowered my yeah. standards and expectations. Well, it's to actually yeah, don't. Yeah, don't, 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 don't do that to yourself. Um, Paying the bills. <laughs> I, I just liked it because like I mean I, I'm not getting like the like I, I really felt there wasn't um, a hell of a lot of exposition maybe I should go back and watch it again I only saw it recently and I, I was really charmed by it again uh, I just think that the central idea of it is extremely well done I think it's done in a very realistic way it's very um, it like it sort of embraces all the things that people hate about independent filmmaking I guess where it's like um, you know, you're not always up to speed. There's no big explosion. There's yeah. no, um, there's no huge musical mm. score or anything like that. And that, and that's um, fine. That, that's yeah. one of the you know, beauties of storytelling and yeah, you know, and, and, but, and you can do, you can yeah. do anything. And obviously, they've got the limitation of only having mm. seven grand, so mm. they can't end it on a big explosion mm. or anything like that. Everything's sort of really boiled down to who they are. But I just like the idea of uh, yeah, the fact that there is. You know, like what they do is really horrible, and they're only manipulating it from themselves. And it's almost like uh, the kind of thing where it'd be interesting to see what happens next. You know, what is the next step in that? Well, sort you, of you world, get the teaser you know? at the end where he's like, he's with the team, and they're yeah. obviously going to build a bigger one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's like, yeah, that's the exactly evil, right. the evil version of yeah, the evil I version. I think the biggest yeah. thing they do. It's that they don't tell their friends. Like, yeah. They don't tell their, the other two guys. It's like, I'm, t- t- I'm with them Seriously, totally. if, I, if I invented a I'm time machine, everybody in this room would know about it. They'd be like, hey guys, look, i got a time machine. <laughs> what would you use it for? Would you use it, like, would you go back and get, like, lottery tickets or put money on races and stuff? Or? Look, I would. I'd go, I'd go back and make myself comfortable. I wouldn't go over the top. I'd make sure I had one. But then I'd want to use it and go back and, like... So like key events because I'm like I'm a conspiracy theorist so I'd love to go back and see who shot John F. Kennedy and all that sort of stuff you know go back to so I'd just be like zooming around time checking stuff out yeah 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 you know, I'd, so I'd cool. try my best not to get involved in anything but I just like yeah up. you can go last before the pre-industrial age because it's not it's not time and space it's just time yeah so it's you're not still a TARDIS stuck in Melbourne so you can't go to Dallas How well, you get there. Well, yeah, you ship the thing Damn over man. to Dallas and then go back. <laughs> <laughs> find a find a building. It does fold up very well. You can make it modular. Yeah, do it, do it uh, uh, blackout style. Mm, yeah. Um, as in the novel Blackout, where you yeah, basically find a, a, like a warehouse or something yeah. that is existing now and was existing then, or so, some location that you would know was in both times. Yeah. Put the time machine there. Travel back. Check out what you want to check out, <laughs> and then get the hell so out take, of there. So take it to Jerusalem now. <laughs> Risk getting shot in the face. So Jerusalem, unpack it, pop it out, and it's like, hey, but Jerusalem's going to be a bit. No, this is an absolute. Yeah, Jerusalem's going to be a bit harder because obviously the further you go back, the harder it's going to be to find a place where you can, where you can store your time machine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know what? The Morlocks coming and stealing there's, it, taking off with it, and stuff like that. There's so. no, uh, there's no billboards you can put the DeLorean behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've seen this film a few times, and. As I said, like I, I'm sort of I'm with it now, but I must admit, reading the Wikipedia page did help. Yeah, there's a beautiful there's a graphic. Graph. Yeah. There's a really nice graph to explain the, the time travel, and that's really cool. Yeah. And like, yeah, if you're fucking mental like me, then yeah, it will help you. But yeah, it's I don't know. I, I felt that it was um, 
uh, obviously so lo-fi to the point where you didn't enjoy it, mm. but like I really, I really dug that about it. I thought it was kind of cool the fact that they expected me to be their friend already, even yeah. though like this is the first time I've met them. And I'm here watching them with them, and I'm there with them, and they're just not acknowledging me. Make no mistake, I don't believe a, st- a story needs big special effects or anything. Yeah, I know, no, but um, yeah, but in terms I didn't of, mean but, it like but that. But I just, for me, it's it, it, it's about plot and character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's the thing. You don't need budget for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, and that and that's where I think this fails. I think the it's only the character for me. The characters aren't particularly engaging or interesting enough. Right. They don't have to be likable. I don't need likable characters. I want characters mm. who... Um, I prefer likable characters. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, look, it sort of helps, but you know, I yeah. quite like characters who complete scumbags. Um, <laughs> but I've got to find them interesting and want to be involved in their story. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't... And, and for me, for this, that I didn't get that with this. I got right. um, a, a little bit of distance. For me, it was expositional. Yeah. Um, and the key stuff, the really interesting stuff, was sort of glossed over... And then sort of cut up into a, into montages, particularly towards the end. Yeah. yeah, I don't need science. I don't need special effects to enjoy the story. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. need good characters. Absolutely, and, and yeah. Good plot. Didn't mean it like that, but yeah, yeah, I totally understand. I mean, the interesting thing too is that this film was something of a festival darling when it mm. came out. Yeah, and it really yeah. dominated a lot of things, and it got like a. I think in the states it had like a, a sort of a gradual release. It, mm. I don't know if it was successful or not. The thing is, the writer and director of this film hasn't made a film since. Mm. Had, didn't yeah. make a film previous. I'm absolutely amazed that he hasn't been tapped to do anything, like not even direct an episode of The Fucking Walking Dead. Like, honestly, like he's got so much talent and can clearly make amazing things happen for, with no money. Uh, it amazes me that the, he hasn't done anything else. Probably got I lost. Agree. Probably got lost in the, in the Donnie Darko. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which yeah, had, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of similar things, but and yet he does get another film, which is an absolute piece of shit. Because Donnie Darko, <laughs> Southland Tales, is an insult. Because. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Both festival, oh. both festival darlings, but Donnie Darko did it actually well. It's no good so, moments. Yeah, whereas right. Primer yeah. didn't do it. Like it's, it, but you're yeah. right though. I mean, he should, he should be given another chance. I mean, well, I, I just I can't work it out. Like I mean, I I thought the moments were so genuine, probably to the detriment of it all. Because if yeah, if they're not warm, mm. like if you can't engage, like I mean, obviously if you had trouble engaging with the characters, maybe it is to the, the detriment of the film. But like to me, when I was watching it, I was like, everything that happened just seemed so realistic mm. and and so wonderfully handled. It's like, I can't work out why that guy wouldn't be directing anything else. I don't know if it's just one of these things where he just somehow slipped through the cracks or whatever, or maybe just had no interest in directing anything else. Who knows? But Maybe maybe he actually just made enough money off this. Maybe. To be comfortable. Like, it wasn't a huge success, but when your film only costs seven grand to make, then, you know... <laughs> anything that, over that, seven everything grand. Is a, yeah, everything is profit from that point onwards. So maybe he just got what he wanted out of it and thought... What, what do you guys... Enough. like? I mean, obviously, time travel is like not a, a new concept in film. Um, and I saw like Back to the Future for the first time in ages just recently, and I'd yeah. forgotten how brilliant that film is. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, what are you, what are you guys' favorite time travel films? Like, I know, well, I know, you've well, got that, Time After Time right. on the shelf up mm. there, which is one of my mm. favorites. It's it a great is, movie. It is awesome stuff. Well, actually, yeah. Back to the Future is actually one of my favorite films of all time. Of all time, yeah. time travel films. Yeah, I love that movie. I always felt that if they like, because you know, like they love remaking shit and. Yeah. One day uh, it'll happen. If they remake Back to the Future, I'm going to bomb the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I just reckon, like, when I watched it, I'd completely forgotten about the subplot where his mother wanted to screw him. Yes. And, yes. and I'm not joking. I was so taken aback by it. I was like, if they remake this, there's yeah. no way this nah. is going to oh, be a yeah, remake. That, it'll be the first thing they cut. But it was so refreshing and amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it was just had me, like, going, what the hell's going to happen? Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember it had been so long since I'd seen it. And Jesus, that was amazing. So good. <laughs> So good. <laughs> I was a great big Doctor Who fan. I was like, mm. that's time travel. Yes, that's yeah, like that's the yeah, decades of time travel. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Oh, we're all Q fans. Q fans. Yeah. 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 Yeah
things here. I mean, Richard's reviewing all the cute. Well, cute too. Oh, really? You're doing everything? What? Even from started, the beginning? Started yeah, started with an unearthly child from 1963, and I'm Are currently in the Pertwee. Really? Era. Yeah. Who's the one that's been the most affected by wiping? Because I'm a huge um, Patrick like, Troughton. No, well, this this is all uh, pretty close to Larry's heart because he's doing a documentary called Wiped on. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not about. Um, it's not about like uh, uh, English stuff, although I've researched all of it. But like, mm. uh, it's about Australian shows. I yeah. Mean, stuff like yeah. Countdown, which yep. most of the early '70s stuff's gone. Yep. Um, yeah. Which is a tragedy. Uh, number ninety six, first two years are pretty yep. much gone. Completely gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really horrible. They just didn't see the the worth in it. But also, yeah. there was also like this idea that because the change from black and white to color, no one would want to watch black, black, black and, white and white anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's just so horrible. Like, yeah. it's just really yeah, dreadful. It's... There was no sense of history and it was just, yeah, a real tragedy. Yeah. So let's go with final thoughts and ratings. Uh, since, Larry, this is your pick. Yes. You can start. All right. Uh, yeah, look, you know what? Um, I, I really love this film. Like, it, to me, it's like a, it's almost a pitch perfect the way it was written and directed. I really liked, admired the way it was filmed and whenever you hear stories of like films that get made for like low budget like you clerks by kevin smith and and primer and and uh, el mariachi by robert rodriguez awesome. it, it inspires like if you're that way inclined if you want to make films mm. you hear stories like that and you suddenly think wow you know there is a chance that i might be able to get my shit together and do it myself yep. and when i hear stories like that i get really intrigued and i think primer was one of those examples for me where i was like well you know i should really get off my ass and do it you know and uh and it, it's sort of an inspirational story for me i really like that i don't know much about the actual making of the film but I, knowing that it costs nothing and, and everything, and I really like the script and everything, totally get what you're saying about the characters, and like, and and I, it never occurred to me because I sort of, I guess I was sucked into it, you know, it was straight away. I was just like, you know, it was it just had me. I just I admired the idea that they were building something, had no idea what it was, and then suddenly they've got a time travel device. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a 3.5 Luke's out of a possible five four Lukes, which is a bit of a fence sitter. No, let's make it a four. A four Lukes mm -hmm. out of a possible full five Lukes. Okay. Yeah, look, I, I, I appreciate the ambition of the film and the intent of the film. Um, I think that he's really just gone out with something that most filmmakers wouldn't even consider approaching this type <laughs> of material. Um, I don't think the execution was, was spot on or anything, but I do appreciate his efforts in this regard. Um, I will give it two and a half looks. Yeah, I pretty much agree with what Rucho said. Um, in fact, you stole my bit. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> Do I, you want it back? It's mine now. It's been, it's been dirty. Yeah. You don't want it back. It's um, soiled. soiled. <laughs> unusual. Um, yeah, look, I, I, can, I, I, certainly, I can certainly applaud the, um, the central idea. That's one of the things that made me want to see it way back when in the first place. Um, and I can appreciate uh, the low budget and low scale. I just would have liked more plot and more character thrown in. A, a, a couple of rewrites on the script to really make it sing. Um, I give this uh, two looks. Is it weird giving giving ratings like that are based on you? No. <laughs> when we first started, when we first started, it was going to be Luke's beard because Luke hadn't shaved; he had this big beard, and so we wanted to do Luke's beard as oh, a rating. Wow. But uh, then we just stuck with Luke instead. Yeah, Luke's better. Yeah. yeah. I thought this uh, a really fantastic concept and it was shot wonderfully. I just, the biggest drawback for me was, like I said before, just I felt like I was on the edge of the conversation the whole time. I felt like I came in halfway through a conversation and wasn't too sure what was going on. I was grasping the basics, but 
was just uh, yeah it was just too, a bit too much hard work I, I don't I, I don't want to be spoon-fed a story but I don't want to have to pick up breadcrumbs either so I, I thought it was a bit more if it let me in a bit more and there was a bit more uh, about the characters it was really all about what they were doing and nothing extra in it it was like you said it was completely stripped back you've definitely got a point I think yeah. that yeah like as the fact is like I watched it three times before mm. I was like fully aware of everything and then I yeah. had to read the fucking yeah. Wikipedia page yeah <laughs> you know, just to go out, you well, know how's it working yeah I know it's like <laughs> yeah. it just occurred, oh Wikipedia might be a help yeah and it's just like someone did a yeah. graph on there and yeah, yeah. I know yeah. exactly what you're reading I, I and I would just wish they'd uh, explored some of the ideas a bit more but uh, yeah, it was an interesting concept. I, mean, I think they deliberately have left you on the edge of the conversation like that. I think that was a deliberate ploy. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. How many Lukes? How many Lukes? I'll give it. I'll give it three and a half as well. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did I shock you? No, no, no. You look I, speechless. I, I really like. No, I really like the, the comment you made. It has like how you like you're sort of you're always on sort of the edge of the conversation. I, I but I, I'll, I'll take it even a little bit further. I, I, I was. It was like it was like I was at a party. And there was a lot of people talking, and I was always on the edge of the conversation. I wasn't really included, but the people yeah. that were talking were people I didn't give a shit about. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, they, exactly. they weren't my friends; they're total strangers. And so I was kind of like, so "Why are you at the party?" So I, well, I'm just I'm there for the free alcohol. So it was like, <laughs> it's was, it was like I, would, I mean, I didn't really care in the end. Hmm. Um, but yeah, but I, but um, and I, I basically agree with everything everybody else said. I think the the concept is brilliant. Um, the whole making a time machine in your backyard, hmm. magnificent. Um, and I do think it was actually shot quite well as well. Hmm. Um, like I. I we said that before but yeah it was, mm. it was it was very well done for the budget they had i just wish i could have been a bit more involved in the storyline and actually yeah. cared by the time we got to the end how many luke's um i'm gonna possibly go five full luke's i'm gonna go two full luke's that's amazing the possible five full i do i do agree You've with larry that it was was rather realistic it did come across as people would really speak that way yeah, yeah, and yeah act that way yeah like that yeah so anyway, that was uh, that was Primer. Thank you very much for suggesting, Larry. Oh, that's um, my pleasure. I, mean, I, I, I only watched it the other week just because you suggested it. So oh, that's cool. We're going to review it, so I'm awesome. glad I did. So your did. work here is done. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> coming up next, it's coming soon. So November 29th sees the release of Gravity, your next fun size and the perks of being a wallflower. Um, I'm not interested in any of those films. You would have thought a film called Gravity might have had, you know, some gravity. Yeah. Gravitas. Mm. <laughs> some gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, Emma Watson all grown up in Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'll see it. Did she get her tits out? No. <laughs> I'll still see it anyway. She never will. Ask? Do we see her ass? Do we shout? Stop it! Alright. Then on December 6th, after Larry uh, finishes <laughs> <laughs> Perks of Being a Wallflower, uh, we get Here Comes the, Here Comes the Boom. Um, Not the Boom King? Oh, I don't know. I am the Boom King. Sounds shit. Uh, what a terrible title. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, uh, Glee ripoff, Pitch Perfect. And well, I don't like Glee, God, so no. back of that. And the awesome sounding, The Man with the Iron Fists. Which is not probably going to be anywhere near as cool as it sounds. <laughs> but it sounds awesome. It's Iron awesome Fist Man Smash. It? How does he walk? Like, wouldn't he be dragging his fists Russell along? Crow. <laughs> yeah, it's actually got like Asian film. Yeah, it's an Asian film, but I think Russell Crowe's in it. it it's one of those co-productions. Bills. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay, so as we mentioned earlier, next episode, we have the entire episode devoted to Bond. So James check Bond. it out. And don't forget, you can contact us by email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. 
or post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Or you can tweet us at at nerdculturecast. And you can also leave a comment on any, uh, any of our posts on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com. But most importantly, don't forget that you can rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe if you like it. And let's face it, how can you not like it? Because we're fucking awesome. <laughs> subscribe to us on the podcast. iTunes, rate and review. And uh, I just want to say a huge thanks to Larry for being on this episode. It's thank you been... for having me, and thank you for saying thank you because I, I like I'm so sorry. I kind of warned you that stupid <laughs> shit was going to happen. I can't we... help it. I'm I'm a fucking idiot and a pervert. <laughs> and we, should just... had, we should have had several counts. The amount of times you're going to swear, and then the amount of times you apologise directly afterwards. <laughs> I am really sorry, but thank you so Stop much for having me. Stop saying that. I, I had such a ball. It was great fun, and uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, bang. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I had, sorry I had for this week time. applause, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time. It was, it was good fun. Uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it as much as we did because, uh, god damn, <laughs> awesome stuff. It's, oh my god, amazing. That's goodbye from me and goodbye from the crew, Richo. I'd like to give Larry's performance today <laughs> four looks out of a possible. Five full looks. Amazing. That's a pretty good review. Uh, Luke. And I'd like to, on behalf of Nerd Culture Podcast, I'd like to apologise for Larry's constant apologising. <laughs> we here at Nerd Culture Podcast stand by our convictions and our statements. That's right. Despite the fact that everyone here but me is wrong. <laughs> um, so, from us to you, we're sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. He's been fucking awesome. Oh, thanks, man. And Crystal. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> It's final. <laughs> na, na, na. Oh, gonna have a good time. Oh my god. Bye. <laughs>